Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the From the Shadows podcast. I am the producer, Jason Lewis. I would like to thank you for tuning in to the From the Shadows podcast. And without further ado, here is your host, Shane Grove. Welcome to the From the Shadows podcast. This is your host, Shane Grove, and I'm here tonight with super producer, Jason Lewis. How's it going, everybody? Hey, as we uh, head into um, the Christmas season, holiday season, um, we got a uh, another special Tales from the Ozark Hour. Part episode. two. Part two. Part two. Um, and I want to thank everybody who reached out to us after the first uh, Tales of the Ozark Hour. Uh, we weren't sure how this was going to work. It's a little, a little bit different from our normal, you know, interviewing people about the paranormal, the, um, some historical stuff, movie stuff or whatever. It, it's just, it was just something different we wanted to try. And based on the reaction that we heard from everybody, it was a hit. Um, I mean, I, I had people tell me that listening to the Ozark Haller tell some of his tales was some of the funniest stuff that they had heard in a long time. Like they were laughing out loud that people yeah. were looking at them strangely, wondering what, what was going on. Yeah. I kind of got the same reaction when people was telling me about it too. They said that episode, they were saying they, they had a hard time believing that a lot of those stories were actually real. And I said, from my background, I said, I believe a lot of them were real because there's some strange things that happen out there on the street. Well, I, I can tell you, um, the, every single story is absolutely 100% real. Um, the Ozark Howler has a long storied career in law enforcement, not only at the local, but the state level and the, and the national. Yeah, and the, and the federal level, too. The yes. federal level, yes. Um, he's done some, some, some really cool things. Um, helping protect our country at all those different levels. And uh, he's one of those gentlemen who knows a good story when he hears one. And he just, uh, and obviously, he knows how to tell it, okay? He knows how to tell it. Um, so so we've gotten together with him again and just let him go. You know, we kind of kind of guide him a little bit and, and some of the stuff we, we, we want to hear from him, but he... Uh, he just has some good stuff, and I know that uh, anybody tuning in to this episode's not going to be disappointed. Um, there's some really, really good stuff in this, and and of course, if you like it, please let us know. You know, message us, reach out to us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, the After the Shadows forum page on Facebook. Um, Anywhere you listen to the podcast, go and, and, and rate us. Um, if you listen to us on Apple, I know you can leave a yeah a, a five star rating. You can Apple Podcasts. You can leave a comment and you can leave a rating. Yeah. Yes, and definitely subscribe if you're if you like listening to us. Subscribe. And oh, it, that's it, very it, important. Very yeah, important. It, it means a lot to help us keep growing, and and we have been. Since we started in September, um, we are, we're at a spot now with listeners that we, we probably didn't expect to have at this point. So it's been a pleasant surprise. Um, and we've got, um, we've got some really great guests lined up in January for the episodes 
you know, every Friday in January, we've got some really great guests, um, some big time uh, people in the world of cryptids and paranormal. And uh, I think it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun for everybody that's uh, been with us from day one to to hear some of this stuff. So having said that, make sure you subscribe to whatever type of platform that you listen to us on. I don't care if you listen to us on the YouTube or whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or soon to be, uh, we're going to be on um, uh, iHeartRadio. Not yet, but we will be on iHeartRadio shortly, and I will make that announcement as soon as it is so. That'll be a very exciting uh, exciting uh, addition for people to uh, check us out on. And, and our YouTube channel, too, has, has really taken off. And uh, soon we will have um, all of Reese's Something to Think About on on YouTube, as well as uh, some other surprises that we've uh, got planned. So stay tuned for all that. And very soon, I promise, now that I'm going to say it on the air, I will have the uh, store on our website up to where you can purchase from the Shadow Podcast uh, T-shirts and stickers. So those will be up shortly. Not in time for people to order them for Christmas, sadly, but uh, they will be up nonetheless. So you can start the new year off right with some fresh fresh gear from, from the Shadows Podcast. So, so if you want to help us and show your support, do it by subscribing to whatever podcast platform or podcast catcher, whatever you want to call it, that you listen to us on. We really appreciate it, and we love to hear from you also. Even if you just log on to the forum after the shadows and just talk about the episode or just talk about something that interests you. We may contact you on that and see if you would like to be a guest yourself on our show one day. Yeah, exactly. So, so well, we will uh, get out of the way here and let the Ozark Howler do his thing. But uh, I think, Jason, uh, we want to wish everybody a... Merry Christmas coming up, and uh, hopefully they have safe safe travels if they're going somewhere to see loved ones, and um, just enjoy the holidays and spend it with the people you love. Absolutely, because that's what's important. Enjoy the holidays, spend time with friends, family, and loved ones. All right, well, on that note, we will get out of here, enjoy the holler, and uh, let us know what you think. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. This is your host, Shane Grove, with From the Shadows Podcast. And this week, uh, we're going to do another little story time with the Ozark Howler. Uh, it was so much fun the last time, and we got such a good response that uh, oh, Mr. Ozark Howler, uh, you tell me you got a bunch more stories. Let's... Uh, Take us from the beginning, your humble beginnings uh, in the Midwest. How, how did you how did you get interested in law enforcement? Well, you know, like most um, blue collar kids, that you know, it used to be back, you know, thirty years ago, thirty five years ago, being a cop was kind of a good blue collar profession. So if you if you didn't have the grades or the discipline to played division one football like some people on this podcast you had to do other things okay so <clears throat> i went to a small school it's kind of affluent now but it wasn't back then and um you know this is getting real personal but i'm just gonna lay it out here for you you guys because you know we're that's all what, friends yeah, that's yeah. what we're here that's what we're here for my dad bought a farm. You know, my dad came back to Vietnam and bought a farm in a in a Catholic community. So, so by the time I graduated high school, out of sixty seven graduating kids, sixty two of them were Catholic. There was only five non Catholics. Okay, just lay it out there so, like a catfish. Yeah. So, so <laughs> here we were, Baptist family, moving in this Catholic enclave, which is just as just as you know. If I can afford to live there, I'd live there now. But I can't. I moved away, and I can't afford to move back because it's so expensive. But at the time, it was it was little posh little farms and and dairies and stuff like that. So, but because I was a non-Catholic, we got picked up picked on a lot, you know. Now I was kind of a fat kid, 
I know you couldn't tell that. So I've kind of grown into even a bigger adult. But anyway, I was a fat kid, so I had I was two prong picked on. I had the non-Catholic and the um, Baptist two strikes against me. But my grandpa was an acclaimed boxer in the army, which led his sons, my dad and his uncles, to think that they wanted to be boxers, which led them to us having boxing gloves at a, at a young age, okay? And I can't box to save my butt against a real boxer. But against some stupid kid at school, I can probably jack it. So <clears throat> I had all this pent-up aggression, and, and this is in the 80s, and they, they started a deal at my high school it was called the friends you need and it was it was the it was you know it was like the first non-bullying non-drug uh, non-alcohol group and this is pre-dare days and all that so so what you had is you had a lot of really soft flowers in this group kind of trying to gel together because they were the wolves were at bay you know what i mean they were surrounded by wolves so there was a decision to be made. Did I want to be a wolf or a cowering flower? Well, I chose to join a fun group simply to solicit people to pick on me, at which time <laughs> I'd come up. So hardly. So, so basically, the basically the fun group uh, was a kick me sign on the back. Is that what you're saying? Yes, back when you could kick kids. You know, now they don't need. You know what I mean? I don't even know. The, the anti-bullying stuff is so crazy now; it's almost uh, hurt itself. But yeah, I, it was, was the days, and you guys were on a class rings turned upside down, smacking kids in the head. You know, yep. there was no middle school. We were in the high school at the seventh grade, so seventh through twelfth was in the same building. So, I mean, it was kill or be killed back in them days, metaphorically speaking. I know you can't say it around school, you know. So it was certainly, it was certainly choose to be a victim. Or a, 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 a conqueror. So anyway, I started hanging out with Fun Group, and in the new sheriff, the old sheriff had got killed in a car wreck tragically. God rest his soul. And the new sheriff had came out and met with the Fun Group. So plug that in your mind. Fast forward about three years later, I'm at a party, a high school party, and back in the '80s, we had crazy parties somebody's parents would go out of town there would be kegs of beer parties bands sound systems this back when the dude there was one dude that had like 500 cds and he would show up he was the sound guy and he would have to get this big sound stage up and you know it's all alien to my kids because they got a 400 songs in a phone but back in them days there was one guy that had all the cds so He's set up in this guy's machine shed. It's a party out in the country on about a 200-acre farm, 300-acre farm. Guy's parents, I'm, I'm not I'm leaving names out of this because I don't know how people are going to take me telling stories. So the guy's parents go out of town. He's supposed to be staying. At, he's not even supposed to be home. But he goes back home and says, hey, you know, it's, it's actually amazing when you think about how you could get two or three hundred kids. This is pre-Twitter, pre-cell phones, pre-everything. <laughs> Yet yep. somehow two hundred people would 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 show up at this thing. So everybody always seemed to back in those days. Everybody seemed to know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm just now thinking about it as I'm talking about it. How did we know? Because it, so so giant part of these kegs are down in the machine shed, and the the traffic's gotten so bad they've parked this long driveway. It'll mean something to people from the country. But these houses are built off the road. These driveways are five, six, seven hundred yards long. And and there's cars on both sides. Well, I'm talking to a girl. Now, I'm not a drinker. Now, you guys, some guys know that, okay? I don't drink. I don't chew. I don't smoke. Um, so I'm not a drinker. Even back in high school, I wasn't a drinker because I needed my wits about me. So when they come calling, I could serve it up if they needed it. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm standing at this guy's front porch. I'm talking to this girl. I can remember it like yesterday. Um, she's heartbroken because her boyfriend dumped her. You know how high school stuff is. And lo and behold, the whole crowd starts running, like flushing like quail. Well, it was because the law showed up. 
you know, how it is back then. So when you don't drink, you don't have to run. So I didn't run. I didn't run. And, the, and this cop car pulls. You know, they come in like three deep. One was a old Chevy Caprice at that time and a couple of Jeeps or a couple of SUVs at that time. I'm pretty sure they were Jeeps. And they stop six feet from where I'm standing. Now, this girl stands sitting on the step, still crying, brokenhearted. She's not drinking. You know, I'm not drinking. So we're just, we're standing there. And the crowd ran away toward, down toward the machine shed. You know, they're trying to hoist these 16-gallon kegs and get them in a the brush. Like, how are you going to, you know, you think about it as an adult, how are you going to get rid of it? Like, you can't hold this, you know, you can't hide this giant aluminum can in the brush. But... The, the cops jump out and they then they bypass me, you know, and, and go to down go down toward this crowd. And as they were down there, you know, doing whatever cops did back in the eighties, somebody comes from behind the house that came around and started letting me front the air out of the front right tire of that cop's cop car. The first cop. And I said, "Hey, man, don't do that." You know, I'm I'm standing there. I'm still working this girl and, and hanging out or whatever. And I said, Hey dude, don't do that. And he said something like, you know, screw you or, or, you know, this will be funny or whatever. And I said, no, I'm serious. Don't do that. And he says, no, you'll screw yourself or whatever. Now he doesn't know me because he goes to the good high school and I went to the bad high school. So I used to drink gallons of Mountain Dew and I had about a 16 or 20 ounce plastic Mountain Dew bottle. And I, Screwed my cap on tight and held my cap. And I walked up and I hit him behind the ear and dropped him like five pounds of, of, of bad laundry. Then <laughs> <laughs> so, I went back to dropping his girl. So he, he surmised, he collected himself and started crawling away, cussing me. And you know what he did? He ran down and got the cops and told him he had just been assaulted. <laughs> so here, all these freaking cops that had walked by me come back to me. They're all deputies. When I say cops, I mean they're, they're, they're deputies. And there's a difference in cops, okay? They're deputies. So, <clears throat> But in amongst them was the elected sheriff, the guy I had met from Sun Group a few years earlier. I don't really, you know what I mean? They're, to me, it's dark and they're all cops or whatever. So this first one walks up and says, Son, is that your Mountain Dew bottle? I'm holding it in my freaking hand. I said, yeah. Well, so-and-so says you struck them. You unprovoked. Uh, they were unprovoked and struck them. And I said, well, I struck him, but he was letting the air out of the tire on your car. Whoa, what do you mean he was letting the air out of my tire? Well, then the, the sheriff parts, parts this crowd of cops. And went, what do you mean? And I said, no, did he tell you? He didn't tell you he was letting the air out of that front right tire, that car right there. And they looked at this kid, and the kid's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's just a joke or whatever. So essentially, they told him to pound sand. He didn't have a claim. That's what they did back then. The cops would just say some shit to you and run them off. And then this sheriff comes up to me, and I'll never forget, he put his hand on my shoulder and says, boy, it's, I, I like seeing a pro-law enforcement and kids nowadays or something like that. And I said, well, sir, I said, in my mind, I don't even know if I'm pro-law enforcement. I knew if he let the air out of that tire, you guys would never leave. <laughs> <laughs> a few years later a few years later i was going to junior cop school and and there was an opening at the sheriff's office and i went up there and and I, you had to make some calls because back then it's really who you know in some places i'm sure it still is and and i had i had i had a a great uncle my grandpa's brother was uh, a notorious he's a retired marine the old sheriff that i told you that had been tragically killed in a car wreck he was uh, when i say marine these guys were world war ii pacific campaign marines so i had the right last name and once some people called the sheriff he he called me in immediately to interview me you know because even like today especially small towns they just people don't they don't get a lot of applicants you know so so it's kind of feast or famine and Sometimes they don't get a pick. So the sheriff called me in and says, yeah, this is the sheriff. I'm leaving his name out. Normally I you tell names. When I tell name stories to cops, I tell that story, names because people know who they are, but I can't do that here. So he says, you really think about coming up working for me? 
I said, yeah, I'll see. yes, sir. You know, if I sure could, blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, get a haircut and come up and see me. Because I had a big old long mullet, you know what I mean, back in the days. Billy Ray Cyrus. Billy Ray Cyrus. Type. Yeah, you know, yeah, but better than Billy Ray's. Billy Ray's kind of had a, I was more of a, uh, of a, uh, who's that stud that played for Oklahoma? Brian Bosworth. <laughs> I was a Bosworth kind of guy. Yeah. Bosworth with Billy Idol or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, spiked on the top, you know? Anyhow. Are there pictures? Are there pictures? Yeah, oh, I got some pictures. Yeah, I got all kinds of pictures. Maybe if I get oh. famous one of these days, or at least rich, I don't care about the fame. Anyway, I go by the Southside Barbershop. I can say that because all those old guys are gone. Get my hair cut. I go up and see the sheriff. He walks me in there and he says, you're hired. Start Monday. And he hands me a sheet of paper. And it's an application. Now, I haven't filled out anything. And he said, I want you to take this down there to the jail and tell so-and-so you're going to start at Monday, whatever time he tells you. So I roll this piece of paper up. And I said, okay. And I said, do I need to fill this out? And he goes, yeah, fill it out and bring it in on Monday when you come back and give it to him. But you tell him you just talk to me. So I go down this out, out this door and I down this hallway and it's kind of hard for me to explain to the old, the old sheriff's office jail but it was on a Friday I think it was a Friday Thursday or Friday but it was court day so there's an elevator that goes from the courthouse upstairs there's all these courtrooms on the second third floor and in the, in the jail the entrance to the jail is in the basement so these these bailiffs and jail deputies have these elevator keys. And they're, people are getting sentenced to court. What they had was called law day. I don't know if they have more you guys are at or even if they have any more. But so they'd have like 40 dudes go to court in one day and get all get sentenced. So these 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 bailiffs are coming out the door at the same time I'm walking in and out, you know, and I don't know what's going on because I don't work there. But at the end of this hallway is a, is a buzzer steel door. Now, this is old school jail. Steel door, Folgers flat keys. Now, you, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. And it's a bell that says ring twice. So you would go down there and you'd ring that bell twice. One, one ring was the back door and two rings was the inside door. So I go down there and I ring that bell twice. This old deputy opens the door and he sees me with that round piece of paper and he says, come on in here and sit down. So he sits me on a pipe bench and I'm sitting at the end of about seven people and they're all getting, they're all getting booked and, and booking was an old woman. Now she's dead too. I guess I can share her name, but I'm not. Okay. She's gone. Now I think about it. I'm glad I got out of there because everybody I worked with about dead. So it must've been the air or the lead paint or something, but she had a typewriter with the stop set and she would put that booking card in there and had to type it. And then, you know, most of them, what they do, they were getting like two days in jail or three days in jail, or you might do six and you get three weekends. So, so like working class guys back then, I don't even know how the criminal justice system really works anymore at the local level. But at that time, if you had a job and you got put in jail for something, DWI or fighting or bad checks or whatever, and you just told the, the judge you had a job, he'd say, what days a week you off? And you'd say Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Friday or Saturday or whatever. And you would show up to jail on your Friday night. And then they let you out Sunday night and you serve your two days. Does that make sense? So if you owed him less than 10 days or so, he just show up a couple, you know, five weekends in a row. Yeah. I know it sounds insane to some people, but that's the way it worked back then. So they just tell me to sit at this pipe bench. It takes about six, seven people. Finally, this old woman goes, how many days did you get? And I said, well, they just told me to show up and talk to Mark about working on Monday. And he goes, she says, how many days did you get? <laughs> I said, well, I don't know. <laughs> so she grabs my paper out of my hand. And she opens up and she goes, what's this? Because most of the people from court had a deal from the clerk telling you how many days they got and what days they showed up. Well, I had a job application. And I said, that's my application. The sheriff told me to show up Monday with that filled out, and I'm supposed to start working. He told me to see such and such. Oh, why did he tell me? Hold on. Come on up here. You know? So, <laughs> that that really introduced she's me. To book. She's hey, book that, yeah, she thought I was there getting booked. Hey, that introduced me to the real criminal justice world because so she says, you got to go down this hallway. She tells this dude, bring him up here to see so-and-so. 
So now she's down there by herself with one bailiff booking like a constant stream of convicted criminals. One old woman and one old deputy, bailiff deputy. They walk me down this hall. I go up the set, flight of stairs into the into the jail administration. And there's three dudes sitting on their butt up there just talking, telling stories, drinking coffee, smoking. I can't smoke so, now they all had rank, you know, they're like lieutenants or you know, whatever, but but that showed me that's what I needed. You got a job where one, two people do all the work and the other three just sit around and drink coffee and talk about it. So I told the dudes, hey, I'm supposed to show up on Monday. And that started my criminal justice world right there. Are you sure? Are you sure that you're not describing a uh a typical Monday at the post office, where there's three or four guys sitting in the corner drinking coffee, talking. The only about thing it. is, in the jail, they've already been convicted criminals. At the post office, they're just maybes. <laughs> they're 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 un they're un unarrested. They're, un, they're, un, they're uncharged at the post office. <laughs> you know, they're uncharged at the post office. So that's what started my illustrious career, man. I, I started in the jail. Worked my way out, and it was so much different back then because at that time, the place I worked, now it's a big, it's got a giant, you know, $16 million jail. It's got dozens, literally dozens of cop cars and dozens of deputies and dozens. Back when I worked there, there was one dude, especially on the weekends or nights, there was one guy on the road, one guy on the radio, and one guy in the jail. And if the road guy got busy, the, the, he would pick the jail guy up. Like if it was a, a bad call or something and they couldn't get any backup because they had troopers, but they just didn't have a lot of troopers back then either. But now it's all changed. Um, so it was literally the Wild West back in them days. And, you know, I remember when I worked my way out and you to the road, that was the coveted position, you know. So I had an old take-home car, which meant a lot, but I think about it now, it had 150,000 miles on it. But to tell you how crazy it is one day, and I told you part of this story, but I don't know if I've told you the whole story. There was a day, it was a Saturday morning I was working, and they sent me to a suicidal person with a knife. And so I, you know, drive out there, and I don't remember what this gal's problem was, but it was an assistant ambulance because they had called the ambulance, the family, the doctor, or somebody had called an ambulance, so there was an ambulance there when I got there. The ambulance called the dispatch to say this woman had a knife. It's just a tragic situation. Think about people that have to do that, but that feel the world's that bad. But this is for cable TV and satellite and stuff, internet. So, made I, it, which made it worse? Made it bearable, more bearable. Back in, you know what I mean? Nowadays, you get to feeling down, hell, get on Craigslist and see what you can't afford or something. I don't know. But... <clears throat> So I got this old Chevy Caprice, and it's got like a rounded old jet, what they call jet sonic light bar, just junk, and had one rubber band like around each side, and it, and it had a gear in the middle that ran all your red lights. So I'm going to this call, and then the dispatch called me and said people were calling 911, people I was running off the road or whatever, because my lights weren't flashing no more. So what you do is you turn your, and it's daylight, so... At night, you can see when they're not working, but in the daylight, you don't. So you turn your spotlight a little way, and you can see it reflect off the chrome. They're on, but they're stuck pointing in whatever direction that they're lit. <laughs> okay. Okay. And I, and I, there, you know, this suicidal person, assist ambulance or whatever, I got my wig wags going. So then I'm driving the rest of it. I'm driving 90 mile an hour in a street I probably shouldn't be going with 40 on, and I'm turning my lights on and off <laughs> to at least make them flash. So I go there, and this old gal had a butcher knife in the kitchen, and I don't know what she planned on doing, but Stern sure didn't do it when I got there. And so we talked to her and put the knife down and get seeking help, and it wasn't worth uh, whatever crisis uh, she thought it was. You know what's weird is I kind of knew her from the school bus. She was like five or six years older than me, which segues into about 20 other stories. When you get to be a small-town cop, in the town or the county you got to grew up in, there's weird stuff. You see, not really weird stuff, but it's surreal sometimes because you're dealing with people that that you kind of know or whatever. So anyway, I talk her in. Remember, I'm by myself. I talk her in to giving up and going to the ambulance, and almost immediately, they're asking me, 
Can you clear that? We've got another suicidal person. Back to back. Back to back. I got a light bar that don't work. Dispatch knows my light bar don't work. They know I'm working by myself. They got another ambulance going to a guy on a roof. But they tell me they're going to call one of my coworkers out from, you know, he doesn't work until afternoon, but as these calls are stacking, we're going to call somebody at home and get them to come to work. So you saved the lady with the butcher knife. I didn't really save her. I just basically, I don't even remember what I told her. You know, I know one thing I wasn't scared of her. Nowadays, these cops shoot the hell out of people because they're, I don't know what the deal is, but that's why I can't be a cop nowadays. But <clears throat> she, she, she really was a call for help. You know, it, it was a call for help. So you got her the help that she needed. And I got her. Well, I don't know if she needed her, but I got her ass in the ambulance so I could build the next call. So, <laughs> okay. okay. So now you're anyway, going to get down the road. So now I'm going, and this call is lighting the board up. Because at that time, the, the dispatch was just, they, they were there was going to be a joint effort. Now the, the city where I grew up, there's one dispatch that does all this stuff. But back in them days, they had little kingdoms. Little towns had their own cop places and little, you know, and, but but yeah, yeah. but this is right. This is about four houses outside the city limits. So when these people are all calling nine one one, it's going to the city who's got dozens of cops driving around, like like I don't want to say pit bulls, but certainly like bird dogs looking for something to point or flush or catch. You know what I'm saying? And <clears throat> black and white cops, black and white cop cars. Educated cops with big arms because they had a weight room and they got paid to work out and stuff and just just ferocious, just ready to go. And they can't leave. They're not supposed to leave the, the city unless we ask them. You know what I mean? It, it, mutual aid. And so they're they're stacked up at the city limits, waiting to come out to to, to help me. But you know what? We had to be a one ride, one ranger. You know what I mean? We don't need all that stuff. So I didn't ask him yet. So I don't, now that I think about it, I don't think I ever asked him for help. But I go there. I'm going, and all these, every time a new person calls 911, they tell a 911 dispatcher something, and that dispatcher feels the need to tell me new information. He's got a knife. He's got. He's on the roof. He wants to jump off. He's this. He's that. Just, just, just all this stuff. It's like, dude, stop. I'm trying to use my other hand to flash my light so I can get there. <laughs> I can't key the mic. So as I'm going, I had an epiphany that I think all the houses are one story on that street. <laughs> so the guy's on a one-story roof. So Yeah, So and I think I might have asked dispatch about that. So I roll up. Down there, remember, at the city limits, there's three or four black and white cop cars just sitting there. Wait, and these dude. dudes are not in their cop cars. They're standing out in the yard of this house. They left their cars. They walked down here to see this dude. And there are a couple, you know, they're just watching. And there's all these neighbors. So I pull up down there, throw it in park, get out. And uh, this guy, he is on the roof. And, and I don't want to see anybody famous, but he, he, he resembled a young kid rock or something like that. You know what I mean? And he's kid got biggest he's got the biggest butcher knife out of butcher block you can get you know the one that's got like four inch blade down the hill you know what i mean giant butcher knife and he's going i'm gonna stab myself and jump off the roof well the front roof of the house is one story the front roofs you know it's a ranch or rambler what they call them in some places i could jump up and grab the gutter if i want to you know <laughs> so it's like seven eight feet maybe it's got this Concrete porch with a wrought iron, little, you know, decoration wrought iron stuff that comes into play here in a second. It's 90 off the garage. It's got a two-car garage attached. It's set forwards about four or six feet, so it made a little porch across the front. You know what I mean? So, but the back story is, you know, he might be able to get two stories maybe because they had a walkout basement. But all that <laughs> to say is he keeps saying I'm going to kill myself. The neighbors are going, shut up and jump, you stupid son of a bitch. And then his mom and dad, his, mom and dad and his baby's mom and his girlfriend's out there. All these people are out there. And his little brother. So every time he says he's going to stab himself and jump, then one of the neighbors says, hurry up, we're tired, or hold on, I'm getting my drink, or 
<laughs> One of his family members got to turn around and say, shut the fuck up, motherfuckers. That's my brother. That's my baby's daddy, you motherfuckers. <laughs> on and on and on and on and on. So it's like one giant circus. So, so it's like a it's like a Brown Steelers game. Have to be worse. Yeah. Over, hey, over. this place makes dog pound. That's exactly it's it. This place makes a dog pound. Only thing if it was the Brown Steelers. Well, I ain't gonna say about it. I was gonna say I'm trying to think that poor quarterback got whacked in the head with a helmet. That, that that's 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 baby play of this. I mean, this is East Side baby. This is East Side. We can't afford to live. In the good neighborhood, we're down here on a dead end street that the highway, the new highway cut off, and we're living in abstract poverty. I'm 50 years old working at the post office. Probably my 20 year old kids in my basement with a pregnant girlfriend and got one kid already. I mean, this is this is a volatile situation. So <laughs> he wants to jump off the roof, and his little brother is about 15, 16. His little brother's crying, "Don't leave me, Jimmy or Bobby or whatever his name is." So about the third time he went over the edge of this house, the little brother. Now I'm standing in the yard going, "Hey, dude, come off the. You know, you ain't. Come on, man. And you gotta sprain your ankle. You ain't gonna kill yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna make a bad situation worse. They got a big ambulance. You know, of course, this big old rescue truck is showing up. I mean, all this a million dollars worth of damn emergency services equipment sitting here for. A dude that ain't worth three dollars. He, he, he probably ain't made two dollars an hour in his whole life at that time. So <laughs> the little brother shimmies up that white rod iron to up to the roof. He goes up that rod iron, scales the gutter, gets in, you know, the valley if you're a roofer. That's got a valley right there where the where the garage and the other part come. He gets up there and he's pleading with the brother. Well, for some reason, that stuck in my head. So when he turned his back to, to go to the edge, he would go to the edge and, and at the peak of the roof, he would go to the edge and look down and say, I'm going to do it. And that's where the neighbors were yelling. So when he turned his back, I scaled that wrought iron, jumped the gutter, got up on the roof with him. And I grabbed him from behind and pulled him back away from the peak of the, you know, the end of the end of the house. Yeah. We wrestling, we end up in the valley. Back, you know, I, I, I'm able to physically pull him. You know, I was probably, I was in shape back then, so I was only about 210, 215. So, I grabbed him, and I got him down that valley, and I jumped on his back, and I got one hand, I'm trying to get it cupped, and that little freaking brother, Bobby or Jimmy or whatever his name is, jumped on me. Get off my brother, motherfucker! <laughs> Now, he was just, he got up on his roof to help the brother before I did. Yet when I go to contain the brother, now he is jumping on me. <laughs> so I got one knee and one cuff on big brother, and little brother's coming at me like a little barking, yapping dog. The only problem is he, they, they obviously had never been against an opposing force because I grabbed his ass and I yanked him down to the valley too, and I had a knee in one of them and a knee in the other one. <laughs> and those cops are all watching <laughs> so they, they actually at some point the neighbors called the dispatchers and said this cop is up there on the roof with these dudes or you know the deputy is and at some point the guy that they called out of bed my corporal he he, he told him to help him. so when I got the one cuff the other one, I was, I got the big brother cuffed. The other one, I was just manhandling. I looked down, and there's four big armed young stud cops at the end of this valley. So I handed these guys down to them one at a time. <laughs> but in this, hey, but in this, in this battle, I had ripped my pants and skinned my knee on this asphalt roof. So now these guys thought I manhandled them. They didn't see nothing until the cops got down to the yard. So they get them contained, put in a car, and all this. So my boss shows up, my supervisor, and he says, well, you know, we got to take Billy or Jimmy, we got to take suicide brother to the hospital because he's all he's bleeding from that roof where I, I don't know, I guess I drug him across the 
asphalt shingles 10 or 15, 18 feet or whatever. So he's bleeding everywhere. So he said, hey, you got to take him to the hospital. Consequences. Sometimes, in, in, you know what I mean? You got to destroy him to save him. But because <clears throat> the ambulance doesn't want to transport him because he's suicidal, they want us to take him over to ER. I said, okay. So we put him in the car. We take him over to ER. And it's ER. We bring him in cuffed. He's got nurses falling all over him. Doctors, you know, they're trying to get him hooked up because he's got, oh, he's, now he's bawling. So what happened is he went from, from badass, I'm going to stab myself, jump off the roof because I've got all these personal problems to bawling that the cops beat him up. So he's in the ER going, yeah, that fat-ass cop beat me up. I mean, I'm just minding my own business. Motherfucker <laughs> did this, did that, and they're trying to put gauze on him. And, you know, you can always tell the liberal nurses and shit when you're in the ER like that because they hate you. I mean, the cops. They just, <laughs> Anyway, but I'm bleeding, and nobody's helping me. So you know, my boss said, hey, dude, what am I going to do about my knee? And you know what he tells me? He said, if we do a work comp thing, it's a shitload of paperwork. So hop up here on the counter, and I'll rinse that knee. And I pulled my pants up, and he cleaned my knee up, and he just opens this. If you guys been in the ER, because suicide's handcuffed to the bed. <laughs> it's got cabinets full of gauze and, you know, shit I can't pronounce. And he just helps himself and doctors my knee up and said, see how easy it is, man. Now we'll get out of here. Can you believe that? <laughs> I worked with my NYPD or got retirement out of it. Back there, I didn't get nothing. They didn't even fix my pants. I'd bring my grandma's and have her sew them. <laughs> yeah, crazy people, Shane. There's crazy people. Now, I know... You know, when back in, and I don't know how things work nowadays because it's old days. Back in them days, if you had a crazy kid or a crazy spouse or crazy relative, or whatever, you and they had mental, they had a doctor, or whatever, you could go to that doctor and you and the doctor could go to the court and say, my other significant other's nuts and needs help. And they would, they would commit them. Oh, and those it, days, man. Those huh? were the days. <laughs> and you'd those... get them committed. I mean, obviously had some. So, so every once in a while, and in, in where, where we live out here uh, in, in Missouri, the sheriff is the man. Whether he is or not, he, he certainly represents the position. So what happens is when the court hands down paperwork, the sheriff is who, who, is, a, who is an officer of the court. So I'm one day, wrote, say, hey, you need to contact so-and-so in jail. And I go over, call him. This is back when the cell phones were bagged, big bag phones, you know. You had bricks or bags. I had a bag phone. Call jail. This guy said, I don't want to say his name because he's still around. He actually just retired. He says, hey, man, come get me. We got a uh, commitment order out on such and such road. So I said, okay. So I go to jail. I pick him up. What's the deal? Well, apparently this woman's crazy. The kid's been up to court. She's got doctor's order. Uh, you know, she's been under cycle psych you know, some kind of psychological treatment for a period of time. She keeps going in and out. The 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 uh, the adult daughters, the adult daughters have deemed it that she's a danger to herself. They're in that car right there. You park points across the parking lot. They're going to follow us out there while we get mom and take her over to to what they call Four North, which is in the old hospital. It was the psych ward. So that sounds easy, right? So now I'm, I told you I was about 210, 215. Russ, good guy I'm with, is even bigger than me. I mean, big old boy. So we go to this pretty nice house, pretty nice house, and we roll up, and it's got a brick, red brick, and it's got a red, it's a red brick house with a white, fancy white, all glass front door. You know, like the screen door is is all white, all clear glass, and the front door is open. We pull up. Oh, it's my dog. I thought somebody was sneaking up on me. We pull up. We get out. We got two carloads of relatives behind us. We walk across. You know, I don't even. I might have put my hat on. I used to put my hat on when I felt good. So put my hat on. We're walking across that driveway, across that yard, up the sidewalk, get on this porch, look in that clear glass front door, and there's a naked woman standing there. All right. Naked woman. All right. Uh, most of the time when you're in law enforcement, you see a naked woman, she ain't worth looking at. But this was nice. 
woman. And she's got one of them fancy island stove. You know, she's got an island in the kitchen with a stove top in the middle. Yeah. Okay. It's all an open concept, which you'd call it now. But back then, we called them rich people. So in this, on this island, she's got a gas stove. And she's got four pots of water. Just, just boiling, full boil. We knock on the door. This gal walks. She's still naked. She's walking over there, and she cracks the door open about four or five inches. She goes, "Hi, officers! Watch them chickens." <laughs> what? what do I watch them chickens? Watch them chickens in the yard. Come on in. And we go in there, and you know, of course, I got this goofy piece of paper. The guy with one got this goofy piece of paper that says. The court's deeming you. you. Normally, when you commit somebody, you tell them, you just show them their piece of paper. Like the crazy people can understand that. But <laughs> she goes up there and she starts stirring these pots of boiling water, talking about these dead ch- or talking about these chickens. She goes, I'm going to cook them chickens. That's why you can't hit them. So we just tried to tell her, I forgot what her name, Susie or whatever. Miss Susie, we we're here to take you to get some help or whatever. And I don't need no help. Why do I need help? And she she kind of, she's getting that crazy look. So I reach down and grab her right. Now, she's probably 5'7", five, 5'8", five, 120 pounds. She's not very big. I grab her right wrist with my right hand, and she immediately pulls it to her mouth and gets my trigger finger in her mouth. <laughs> like, like. It's spontaneous. Imagine me grabbing her and she immediately bites my hand, gets my trigger finger in her mouth. And I'm telling the guy I'm with, I'm saying, hey, dude, she's got my, and I'm trying to hold her. And it's when somebody's got your trigger finger in their mouth, it's not as easy to get away as you think it might be because it freaking hurts. So I tell the old boy, she's got my hand in her mouth. She's biting me. Help me with this deal. And without thinking, I assume he's without thinking. He gives her a little old Mike Tyson jab right to the other side of the jaw. And <laughs> rips my freaking trigger finger, right? You know what I mean? Almost degloves the skin on my trigger finger, if you know if you're familiar with the term degloves. <laughs> and knocks her out like a light. Bah! So now, hey, and all those relatives I told you about. They had followed us into that freaking house. So when you're dealing with this woman, I'm worried about four pots of boiling water, cook stove on high, flames, crazy mom. And chickens chickens outside. Chickens, yeah, non-existent <laughs> chickens. And all these relatives come in there. So you don't see them. you got tunnel vision. That's what they call it. Long you got tunnel vision on this woman. And then Russ hits her upside the face, knocks her out, gets my trigger finger out. We get her cuffed up. I mean, Daughter got a robe and got cleaned up. Took to, to uh, see, get the help she needed. I got the stove shut off. I was able to get a big wad of paper towels there right off the counter because she's a she had a, a fully equipped kitchen and I was able to uh, get some wrap on my finger and go to the next call because they nobody else. <laughs> so what happened to the chickens? They're still there, as far as I know. <laughs> no, they must. Hey. They must have reproduced because it seems like everybody's got chickens nowadays. You know, there's chickens everywhere, right? <laughs> yeah, there's chickens everywhere now. Uh, well, with that story, we will uh, we'll wrap up this episode of uh, Tales from the Ozark Holler, and we'll be uh, uh, looking forward to the next round. But uh, thanks for uh, thanks for that ending on the chicken story. I'm yeah, sorry. Come back to crazy baby. You bring me back to crazy people next time we talk because I got more crazy stories than you got ears. I guarantee it. <laughs> okay, wait to hear more. Ladies and gentlemen, a final word. Please visit us on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash from the shadows podcast, and on our Instagram page at instagram.com forward slash from the shadows podcast you can visit our webpage at from the shadows podcast dot go daddy sites dot com or 
contribute to our Facebook discussion page called After the Shadows. And tweet us on our Twitter feed at twitter.com forward slash podcast underscore from. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to hearing from you all. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs>